Hey everyone, this is Anthony Grants, and I want to introduce you all to this podcast. It's called Superstar PR, and it's all about entertainment insider chats with Nikki, the founder of the PR agency, Nikki Inc. This podcast chats with some serious entertainers and media insiders, always choosing people who are making a difference in the entertainment world and who have cool stories to share. Happy listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Superstar PR Season 3. Well, we're here. This is Nikki Papayuenu, and I am your host. I'm also the owner of a boutique PR firm in Toronto called Nikki Inc. I'm so pleased to have these gents with you today because I fell in love with the film. This is a really big deal conversation we're about to have, and I know you're all interested because you've all been asking questions. And I want to introduce you now to the brains behind the film, Inmate Number One, the story of Danny Trejo. Brett and Adam, welcome to this conversation, and thank you for being on my podcast today. How are you, gents? We're good, considering the uh, situation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Home studios we're setting up, but thanks for having us on. Yeah. We gotta love the home studios. We both have really cool studios. I might have to tell our audience that. Now, I watched the movie. I think the movie's amazing. I know I bugged you guys because I wanted to work on it with you. Can you tell our audience how you gents relate to the film Inmate Number One and the story of Danny Trejo's life? Adam, you can go ahead first if you want to say yours, because I got three. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The way uh, I say I relate to it is, you know, I I definitely, I I don't think anyone survives kind of the life Danny has that he's turned around and made positive. Uh, You know, I grew up, you know, in a, in a strip club environment around motorcycle clubs and, and stuff like that. So I, I connect on that aspect that Danny went through, but as Brett and I have joked in other interviews we've been doing, like, I think it would take me 15 lives to try to accomplish what Danny's done in one. I mean, here's a guy that is, you know, facing, you know, he's doing heroin and armed robberies when he's 12 and 13 years old, because he's under the, you know, the guidance of his, his uncle Gilbert, who we just idolized at the time, which that part I understand when you're a young man and you're looking for kind of a father figure that was absent in Danny's, you know, generation, because that's when a lot of fathers worked hard. But then when they came home, kids were to be seen and not heard. And, you know, they provide for the family and that's what they do. Um, that you kind of gravitate towards like Danny did to his uncle Gilbert, because his uncle Gilbert had money, cool cars, hot, wicked clothes, beautiful women around him all the time. People respected him. When I grew up in Kelowna, that was very similar to the motorcycle club culture right is that you know when that when the when the 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 bikers would come to my dad's club they were well-built good-looking guys yet young you know and they had power respect they didn't wait in line they had lots of money for a young man that's attractive right you're like wow that's like i want that i want to be like the rock star of my community so danny gravitated to that and i really understood as brett was peeling these layers from danny i was like man i totally understand that when you're a young man and you're looking for what you're like, oh, that's what, you know, like a top level guy, like a guy of respect looks and feels like he's calm, he's cool, people are scared of him, but they also respect him, has money. So that part of the film when Danny was explaining that really connected with me. But a part that I have to work on, I I think just about anybody has to work on when you work with Danny is is how much he gives back and what he really does. Like, I, I know I beat this to death, but there's certain people that say that they do charities and they help their communities, but I've never met a person like Danny and the way that he is always, always, always giving back. Like when people say they give the shirt off their back, Danny literally would, you know, prime example. And I'll I'll let Brett go after this is when there's that accident a few months ago 
and a child was trapped in the car. And you see, unfortunately, in today's society, a lot of people were filming it and were like, oh, wow, what's going on? And people are kind of like stepping back, like, oh, my God, there's an accident. Then you see the 76-year-old man just sprinting towards the problem to see if somebody's okay. And that was Danny, right? Like, didn't know he's going to be on camera, wasn't doing it to be on media, but that is his instinct. He saw a problem and he's like, whoa, I got to get there. 76 years old. First off, when you see him running, you're like, wow, that guy can run fast. And then you find out it's Danny and he's 70. And he's under there with another lady because there's a child trapped in the car and the child uh, was a special needs child. And Danny actually, his ex-wife had a couple special needs children. So he knew how to calm the kid down. He was like, look at my muscles, right? And the kid was flexing and stuff like that. So there is an ability, you know, that Danny is always giving back in a way that I felt, you know, there was a part that I took away the most from the film that I can just be a better person and help my local community way more because busy is not an excuse. Having kids is not an excuse because Danny's busier than anybody I know combined and his age and he just doesn't make excuses. He just gives back. Wow. He sounds like, wow, I'm like such a fan of Danny Church. Yeah. Okay, so wait, Adam, can you tell our listeners what you did, what your relationship to the film is? Sure. Sorry, if that was it. So I'm the producer. Uh, I'm I'm the one that generally I help put the money together and put out fires, right? And I allow Brett to let his creative juices go as much as possible. So I uh, I, I have a lot of heavy lifting when it starts, and then I just kind of put out fires, and I'm the bodyguard for Brett so that he can do his mastery while it's in production and gets delivered. He does a very good job of it, too. <laughs> so, Brett, um, how do you relate to the film and to Danny's life? Well, definitely the way Adam just uh, posed his, you know, the way he relates to it, I relate that way as well. I think that's kind of a universal relation that most people can have. And then I think the other one, which resonates with myself, but probably, again, everybody, is the theme of his life has kind of become uh, seeking redemption. Um, for past mistakes and you know the way he's doing it is basically by helping every uh, everybody else around him and lifting them up and it kind of gets you and me and everybody else who looks at his story to kind of evaluate your own life and see if you know maybe we're all doing the best we can to elevate everybody around us but Danny is in const is constantly seeking uh, redemption for his mistakes and his mistakes were at a level that you and I would probably have never experienced where, you know, we're talking about somebody who faced three counts of the death penalty, uh, somebody who, you know, spent the majority of his youth, um, doing armed robberies. And so for Danny though, the interesting thing is that the redemption isn't an end goal at this point. It's just become a, a way of life. And it's just, it's, it's how he, basically can go on. It's how he's gone on since he got out of prison. It's how he made it through solitary confinement when he was facing three counts of the death penalty. So that was probably one of the strongest elements I've personally ever come across, and I'm guessing Adam would probably say the same thing, as the basis for a story and a documentary. Oh, I think it's kind of such a well-decided on subject matter because I think about the types of films I want to watch and the types of films my family watches and we all agree that we we'd watch this and I'd watch it again. So that's how you know a film is good when I'd watch it twice. Um, now, I think it's really interesting. You know, the world has received this documentary so uniquely because it's an indie film. It's a documentary. And by no means are indie documentaries considered like cool blockbusters. But tell us, guys, what's happening with this film? 
So we're we're proud to to be able to announce now that it we landed you know what every filmmaker dreams a quote unquote studio deal with Universal Studios, uh, and to put that in perspective for maybe people outside of the film industry, just how difficult that is. In Universal's been around for 106 years, and if you look at the documentaries they've released or repped, it is only 70 to date, and that includes inmate number one so to land a universal deal for a documentary that was independently produced out of canada is unreal i don't know if it's ever been done out of canada before uh i would like to almost be challenged on that like i don't know if another indie crew out of canada has produced a film that has sold it to universal i know there's been one for lionsgate because i used to work with them but to get a studio deal when you're you know a small group out of canada is um it, it, it doesn't get much better than that, especially in the documentary world. It, uh, you know, we, we couldn't be happier that we can say on July 7th, Universal's releasing this thing worldwide. You gotta remember, Nikki, we started in a basement with nothing, <laughs> literally nothing. No backing. And that basement, that basement wasn't even ours. It was our parents' basement that we're in. It was Steve's parents' basement. His parents' basement. And uh, I still remember showing Adam the film there. And just we had had to all crowd around in three seats, just cramped in like sardines. And yeah, it was, it's, it's come a long way. That's awesome, guys. You know, I, I joke that we're all faking it till we make it, but some of the coolest things I've ever heard people work on are in some of the, the least fabulous spaces, <laughs> the least fabulous, ordinary kind of ways. Now, and you know, if you guys could go back to the film, how long did it take to film? It was uh, roughly four years. Uh, from That's from like inception. That's from coming up with pitch books and speaking with Danny, trying to get him on board. And I think production was roughly about three years. But that wasn't of our choosing. That was more based along, we, we were attempting to get into prisons, uh, California pr prisons in particular, and one's relevant to Danny. Uh, but they had changed our rules or something at that point, so it became very, very difficult. And then finally, we were able to get into the Arizona State Prison, uh, where Danny does his talk, and then we were able to actually shoot a B-roll of, of actual prisoners, uh, you know, not identifying anybody, but actually what, you know, the, some of the atmosphere and what it would be like to be in there. Oh my God, that sounds so cool. Okay, so I want to ask you guys, do you have any onset moments with Danny where you're both like, what? What just happened? Or like something kind of unexpected, but you kept it because it was good? Well, uh, the, to, for me, the, uh, the best stuff by far, uh, the most interesting stuff and the best time had was when Danny was in his car and we were driving around his little neighborhood and he was coming across uh, basically just you could go 50 meters and there would be a new building and Danny would go, Oh, I robbed that place. Oh, that was a poker place that we robbed or, uh, Oh, over there in the street, that parking lot, that's where I fought, you know, uh, sailors with a broken beer bottle, you know, literally, literally stories like this. And so what was so cool about it was that I don't think he's revisited those memories in, in years. And by driving around and getting him to actually like go over those things, you could you could live through his you could see it on his face and his emotions like that that, that this whole and by the way this is in his neighborhood that he also currently lives in danny still lives in pacoima where he grew up he hasn't taken on the big hollywood life he lives in a normal neighborhood he doesn't have big giant walls keeping everybody out um so we literally jumped in one of his old cars started going just within two minutes we're driving around his neighborhood and he was going oh yeah this is the path i took to school and this is where my dad and i were at the airport 
so for me that was kind of uh the the real like cool cool moment yeah yeah i think that's pretty cool i also think he's got a really scary face no well that that's what that's what made him famous i mean if the doc talks about like it was fascinating to learn as brett would peel these layers when you that you know that's why when he first got to hollywood people were like oh my god like where did you study you're so intimidating he's like well, I just really did armed robbery, so I know how to do them, right? Like, I know, because a perfect armed robbery, when he was growing up, that was like the outlaw. It was like a cowboy. His most admirable way is if you could do an armed robbery without hurting anyone, right? And the key to that is be so intimidating that when he comes in with that gun, he's like, give me the money, motherfucker. And they're like, yeah, 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 here you go. Take everything, right? Like, like he talks about their first their first robbery, the gun wasn't even loaded and it didn't even hold the top right. The whole thing was to just scare them to get it, right? That it was a revolver that the, the I'm trying to say for people that can hear that, you know, that the clamp at the top, so it kept folding down, right? But they just held it to try to be like, so that, I mean, story after story is you hear them and you hear what he's, he's lived through. You almost are like, man, this guy almost seems like a mythical being that he's went through this, right? That he survived, like, or when he knew that there was a guy coming to stab him in prison that was going to try to kill him. And he put the magazines. I just watched a movie last night called The Informer. And the guy was doing that too. He's putting all the magazines around there. And I was like, I was like, oh, Danny told us about that. They put magazine in books. So if you get stabbed, it's like body armor, right? It still might break your ribs or give you a bad bruise, but at least won't allow whatever they're trying to stab you to, to shank a vital organ. Right. When he's telling these stories, you're kind of like, he tells them so nonchalant, adds humor and stuff now, but you're like, dude, he just talked about a guy trying to kill him. And he, and he's laughing. He's like, Oh, I was like, Oh, Oh, oh yeah. Magazine. I'm okay. Right. Like, and he's got a ton of those stories. Like what you see in the film are just the ones that are relevant to pushing his narrative forward, you know, in a linear fashion, but it's just, some of them are mind boggling. Some of them, you're not sure whether they should go in the dock because of, you know, it's, um, yeah, anyways. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's funny. My my three-year-old walked in when I was watching, and I was like, no, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because my kids, right, so I have, I have a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, and my 13-year-old, and they know Danny from the kid stuff he's doing now. So they'll hear his voice in a show, and right away, my kids are like, Dad, that's Danny Trejo. And I was like, wait a minute, let me listen. And I'm like, I have to listen to it. They identify it right away. They're like, yeah, that's Danny Trejo. That's Danny Trejo. And then my son, the other day he bought, they were give, there was like used movies or whatever. And because obviously we talk about him and he sees him in the cartoons and knows I'm working with him. He's like, dad, look at the movie I bought. He bought Machete. And I was like, I said to my wife, I'm like, Lauren, he's not quite ready for that one. He's eight. I was like, he's going to have to wait till he's a teenager before he can watch that one. It's funny. We were talking uh, the other day about how I think you, a lot of people, if you're just coming on board with Danny now and starting to watch his films, a lot of people actually might know him from comedies more than they would the bad guy role now, which is kind of like mind blowing. Because back in the day, all it was was his face playing the prisoner, playing the gangster type thing. But now it's he's uh, he's transformed into an actually a really funny uh, actor in in comedies. So it's kind of mind blowing that his journey continues to evolve in that way. And then as well, too, like Adam was saying, <clears throat> in kids' films, who would have thought Danny Trejo would be the star in, in animations and kids' films? It's just his, his journey is ever-evolving. Well, you know, they say that at the end of your life, you don't take yourself that seriously. So I guess 76, he's done it all, he's seen it all, and now he's just having a good time, right? 
Brett pulled some good stuff out of Michelle Rodriguez. It was really interesting because she knows him well, obviously after working in Machete and a few other films of them that she said, it's almost like, you know, he spent so much of his childhood trying to be the gangster and doing armed robberies that now that he's so comfortable with himself, the kid is coming out where he's like, I didn't get to have that because I was put into such a high stakes world at a young age. And now that I'm, I'm old and I'm so, I mean, because he's been sober for 53 years, they're always revealing and sharing that he's so comfortable with himself that he can just be the big joker. And that's why when Brett and I first met him, right, after like Brett had done all the research and designed this amazing pitch book, once you meet Danny, you're like, man, I have to work with this guy. Because he doesn't, when he meets you, he doesn't try to be like, hey, I'm Danny. He's like, hey, that's pizza. You guys want this? Like, let me get like, when you, when you see that, because Docs, we know is going to be a long haul. We have to spend a lot of time with you. And if you're not, you know, approachable and eager and wanting to share, makes it very tough to tell a great story about you. So when we saw how Danny was constantly cracking jokes and wanting to have fun, it was like, oh, this guy is a fun guy to be around, which made, you know, obviously the prison sucked us back there for a while. But anytime we got to work with Danny, that part was fun. Yeah. And to be honest, too, with his joking, because that what Adam said is absolutely accurate. I think the other thing added into that is it almost became a way for Danny to disarm people of the fear of when he would walk in the room. Because initially when he would walk in the room on those sets, people were scared of him because he looked like a scary dude. And he still maintained that prison look, that kind of that stare that, that tells you, you know, watch out. But you know, when he comes in and he's the first one to smile and he's the first one to go, Hey, how are you doing? It just, it, it puts everybody at ease. And so over time, he's obviously mastered that. And it's also just become who he is. I think he's been able to let go that hard prison exterior because it's not necessary anymore. And, but he can, if he needs to in a movie and act it like that, even at 76 years old and make you feel like you're this small. <laughs> But he doesn't unless it's a pain roll. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. You just made me want to meet him. Now, the film's doing really well. And it's like it hasn't even happened. It hasn't come out yet everywhere. So let me ask you, what type of recognition has the film gotten that you can share with us? Well, it's, it's been interesting. The, the Rocky Awards, which we've been nominated for, we've submitted all of our previous films and never been nominated there. And, you know, obviously the nominations of the Leos and winning, winning the Calgary Film Festival audience one was pretty cool because... Uh, as I, as I texted you last night, Nikki, the, the festival director, she's a friend of mine, Brenda now, cause we've done a few films there. And she said, Adam, she's like, you guys smoked everybody, even parasite. My name is Dolomite. He's like, so she's like, I guess inmate number one really is number one. Right. So it was interesting that a documentary was beating like parasites, the, you know, four time Oscar winner that it's, and then, you know, always great when Universal released the trailer and they kept writing, like they, they tracked the numbers. It's nice to have a machine behind you because we're used to doing so much heavy lifting or we're doing this and we're doing that, that it was nice that we just get to wake up and see the accolades and see it going everywhere and the excitement. And, you know, Universal was saying that the trailer received almost 4 million views in the first week. Uh, we believe it inspired the Saturday Night Live skit that was done. Uh, uh, Danny, I'm gonna have a career like Danny Trejo that they did. Like it, it really hit the zeitgeist in a way. And something that Universal said they'd never seen, which is fascinating in today's negative world, is that they said the comments and likely was 95% positive. They're like, we don't usually release anything that has like a, in the 90s for positivity, but. I don't know how you can hate on Danny's story because, you know, you have this tremendous story of redemption and hope 
And the end message of the trailer and the, the film is that everything good that has happened to me is a direct result of helping somebody else. Like with what's going on in the world right now with the, the you know, the riots and the protests, like the whole world needs a little bit more of that and a lot more of Danny Trey. So it, 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 you know, of course we didn't schedule things that way. That's just sometimes the luck of the draw you get after years of hard work, but it's always cool when the first time you're working with a studio that the email comes back saying exceeded our expectations, exceeded our expectations, exceeded our expectations. So we hope that that continues. And I know uh, I was sharing with Brett, we were on with a, a really respected uh, movie reviewer the other day, Debbie, um, and she was going on and on and on about what she loved about the film. And it was, we were saying, we were joking. I was joking. I was like, I was like, Debbie, can you just come into interviews with us when we pitch? Because you like everything Brett fought so hard for, like she commented on, I love how you guys didn't rush his upbringing. So many bio docs want to skip to the Hollywood part. And Brett fought so hard for that. She commented on how so many docs don't go the production value. She's like, your cinematography is some of the best I've ever seen. She went off about like the score. She's like, often with docs, you guys run out of money in the scores rush. She's like, I thought your music was brilliant. Like it was like, I was like, can you just tell every reviewer that goes like, just tell them your comments before anybody else reviews it. Cause it was, it was nice. It was really refreshing to see. Uh, so we knew we had something special and we fought hard cause we, we got, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting that a lot of the major festivals didn't pick this up. Um, but a few of them wrote us and said, guys, you have a tremendous film here. Don't give up on it. Don't take the first sale that comes your way. Just, it's not right for us this year. Uh, and you know, we're really happy that a few of them took the time to, to give us that. Cause you know, you believe in something, but then you don't like, you're like, oh, this is the one that's going to get us into this festival. And then we don't, and it's hard not to, we knew we had something special, but it's hard for that not to take you down. But a few of the programmers wrote us and said, Hey, don't go by what the jury chose. I think the film is fantastic. And then when Universal landed and we, we got to tell the team, I know even our U.S. partners were like, Universal proper? Like the studio? Like, like not some like junior universe, like some company that's ripping off the name. We're like, no, Universal proper with the big globe and Universal Studios in L.A. So um, I know that's a long-winded answer, but I'm, I'm passionate and excited about where it's going and uh, all the hard-fought battles that uh, Brett and I had to, to, to get it to the finish line. It's nice to see that it's getting received, received so well before it's even released, just the trailer. You know, uh, gents, when you, when you see that a trailer has four million kind of impressions, I come from a marketing background, the people will speak. So the film festivals can catch up if they want to, but when you know the people want the movie, um, I remember the film Crazy Rich Asians and how it exploded and shocked everyone. So I think this film is well on its way. Guys, this all has been an amazing conversation. I thank you so much. And now our listeners are probably going to want to follow you. So can you give us, where are you most active, each of you? Are you on Twitter, Instagram, and your website, please? Uh, I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh... Oddly enough, my tag on Twitter is at Brett BKS. I know that's weird. It was a mistake from the beginning when uh, we had a company back in the day, but now I uh, have to keep it, unfortunately. And then uh, on uh, Instagram, I am Brett Harvey uh, Official, at Brett Harvey Official. And then my website is BrettHarveyFilms.com. For me, I'm, I'm on, uh, I mean, primarily on Instagram and Twitter on Instagram, it's just score G. So score like a goal with a G and then it's Adam score G on Twitter. 
Uh, and then I am on Facebook too, but I think I'm maxed out on requests on there, but I'm, I'm pretty responsive on all the social media. I've, as you see, Nikki, I even use my handle as creative hustler as I, I've, I've been connecting and doing social media stuff for a long time to promote our, our work. So, uh, you can reach out to me on any of those. And then my website is scoregproductions.co. Scoregproductions.co. Well, guys, thank you. Best of luck. Uh, you know, my entire team loves inmate number one. So we're rooting for you. And I feel some really good things cooking up, you know, coming for this film. So I think, you know, before this even gets edited and completed, I think we're going to be announcing some cool awards for the film. Thank you so much for joining us on Superstar PR and keep shining, guys. Thank you, Adam and Brett. Oh, thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. And thanks for, thanks for getting us out there. Thanks for tuning in to Superstar PR. New episodes are available every other Friday. And you know, we would love your feedback. So please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to Superstar PR on your favorite streaming service and visit www.nikkiinc.ca to sign up for podcast alerts and notifications. Thank you so much for listening.